In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data, so we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the hills of western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Arena. I am so glad to be here with you today, the 25th of September, 2023. We got some articles to do. Let's jump right in. I'm going to do a little catch-up here, you and me. Autoblog.com, December of 2020, Cadillac CT5V and CT4V Blackwing get manuals and 3D printed parts. That's pretty cool. Um, Cadillac really did a good job from the late 90s until now in uh, bringing themselves up to the level of BMW and Mercedes as far as not only being luxury, but being sporty as well, right? You think about a BMW, and it's like, sure, it's a luxury car, but it's also athletic, as they say. Um, And Cadillac has done a great job, starting with their Seville STS in the 90s, but also in the early 2000s with the CTS-V, where they took their small sedan, the CTS, in the early 2000s, and they just plopped a Corvette motor into it and called it a day, right? Put a couple of, later on, you know, improved the suspension in later years and so on, but that's that's really all they did, and voila, you've got a little bit of sportiness there. Oh yeah, last thing I want to say, the predecessor to the Cadillac CTS was the late 90s Cadillac Catera. Came out in 1997. I wanted one so badly when they came out, and I'm still on the hunt for one. Actually, before COVID, you could get one for a thousand bucks all day long. Um, All of them apparently had a bad head gasket, but you could get them cheaply. And then during COVID, when we had this car shortage... Uh, apparently people were snatching them up. I hope people are enjoying them as opposed to just putting them in the crusher, right? Um, I hope people are out there enjoying them and realizing how just classy, right? I'm sure they were an unreliable piece of garbage, but classy is all get out. I really want to find one, especially the the earlier ones with that that large reflector in the back where the whole back of the trunk was a red reflector. 
Um, just super cool. You can't find a car that looks more classy and cool. Um, I wanted one when they came out. I will find one at some point. It's on the top of my list of classic cars to add to my collection. Um, just so cool, the Cadillac Caterra. It was actually made by Opel in Germany, which GM owned for like 50 years. And they, of course, mismanaged it and almost mismanaged it into the ground like they did with Saab. Um, but luckily, uh, Fiat Chrysler gobbled them up a couple years ago. And after a year, they were able to make them profitable, where GM could never make them profitable. But anyway, Opel made some really cool cars in Germany. And in 97, Cadillac called them probably and took what was known as the Opel Omega MV6, which is a popular car in, in Europe that Opel made. I had one of my friends in Europe had one. And they said, let's slap a Cadillac badge on it and call it, you know, the late. And, and honestly, they should have touted the fact that it was German. They, they really downplayed it. But it was known as the Caddy that zigs. And again, this was in the late 90s where they were trying to be sporty and relevant. Um, so, yeah, one of my favorite cars, Cadillac Catera. Okay, then. <clears throat> Side note, I want to shout out to John the Optimist. Uh, he's one of my fans. He's a fan of the Cadillac Blackwing as well. Um, so thanks so much for, for sticking with me as, as a listener all these years. And uh, yeah. So Cadillac's upcoming Blackwing will be the first GM production cars to utilize 3D printed technology. They'll be featured front and center on one of the car's most hotly anticipated features, uh, a decorative medallion atop the shift knob of the manual transmission. Amazing. Right? That's what people want, folks. They want driving excitement. Of course you can have an automatic transmission and one of these modern ones where it shifts faster than a manual and, and these sub-millisecond shift times and all this stuff. But where's the fun? Right? I've said this before. It's it's like, would you want a self-eating hamburger or a self-tanning beach chair? I'm just making this up as I go. But look, folks. Guess what? Sometimes we want to row our own gears, as they say, because that's the point. If you can't have fun in your life, right? Technology has done one great thing for us. It has served to make us massively stressful, right? It has sapped all of the enjoyment out of our lives, okay? Uh, we just, we want to have some fun, right? If, if you can enjoy yourself while driving somewhere, imagine that, we, I, I grew up in a world where things were enjoyable when you did them, right? <clears throat> we're, we're so bent on making technology convenient that we sap the fun out of everything. So kudos to Cadillac for doing this. Cadillac says additive manufacturing, named as such because 3D printing accumulates tiny deposits of plastic or metal material to create the object, right? So instead of... Uh, um, hewing something out of metal or carving or chiseling something, right? That's kind of uh, removing things from a product to, to make your product, right? You chisel a statue. This is the opposite, where you you print out by dripping little drips of plastic or metal uh, until you create your product, okay? That's what 3D printing is, okay? That's what it fundamentally is. Uh, and it's quite handy, Um 
for a lot of things, by the way, I'll explain this before we go on. Um, in business school, I learned about um, massive manufacturing, right? Uh, mass market manufacturing, where you make millions of, of identical products, right? Like uh, a Ford Mustang or whatever. Um, then they had batch job, where it's like, okay, we're going to make 10,000 of these parts. All right, we're done with that. We've satisfied our demand. Now we're going to make 20,000 of some other part, like a screw or a bolt or whatever. Okay, that's batch job. And then you have custom bespoke stuff, right? Like one-off cars from Rolls-Royce and that sort of thing, or highly customized things, right? What I do is very bespoke. I show up to your house, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I touch on the five or six major categories of tech support issues, but, but everything I do is tailored to your specific needs. So 3D printing, um, there there's no advantage of making multiple, you know, there's no... Um, economy of scale, right? Like in a factory, the reason why you make a million items at once or a zillion items at once is because you get an economy of scale, right? You achieve that. But 3D printing, the cool thing is you could print one or you could print 10. The cost per item does not go down if you print more. So it's great for one-off things such as car parts, okay? Where you just need one or two of them Especially, I mean, they're doing this in a, in a mass market situation. I mean, yeah, it's, it's um, the Cadillac Blackwing is a very special limited edition car. So fine, you make three, four hundred, let's say. I think there were like 400 of each Blackwing model made. <clears throat> so yeah, they could have manufactured it in a normal way. Um, but they decided to do a little 3D printing, right? Maybe to save them money, whatever. But where I foresee this helping the world is in car repair. You've got a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old car. Where are you going to find the parts? If, if, you, if it's not a common part or if you don't have some source that has these rare obscure parts, it would come in handy to be able to do 3D printing to create the little piece you need, especially these little obscure pieces of plastic or metal, these very specialty little shaped odd shapes, right? So yeah, in a limited edition car, it makes sense. But it's really going to make sense when we start repairing very old cars. And I'm a huge proponent of using standardized parts, right? When when Mercedes makes those um, AMG GT cars, those really highly specialized, you know, quarter million dollar cars, uh, people complain, well, I don't like that it has the, the Mercedes dashboard and switch gear in it. And sure, th their argument is that it makes the car look a little less special by having the same window buttons that are in every Mercedes. Okay, fine. I personally think it's a great idea because, all right, fine, it might save them a couple bucks in manufacturing, but guess what? couple years from now, when your buttons in your $250,000 AMG GT break, you won't have a problem finding those buttons, right? Because those are what they call parts bin. Those are standard parts that are in the parts bin at every Mercedes dealer. Um, so I'm a huge fan of standard parts bin parts when necessary because it means it's easier to repair. It's easier to keep this car on the road. All right. Hey, I'm having fun so far. I didn't know this article would be that fun. I hope y'all are learning something. <clears throat> so, you know, maybe it's just me 
because I'm a car guy, right? Uh, I'm I'm no cousin Joey. We got to get get our beloved cousin Joey back on the show here. But uh, but I do understand enough about cars to know it's a really good thing when you use standardized parts, right? Especially uh, the generic parts, right? If you can get brake pads from any uh, um, Advance Auto or AutoZone, right? Wipers, light bulbs that kind of thing, that's a beautiful thing because generic means you can get it cheaply and you can get it anywhere and you don't have to wait eight years for some part, right? I had a BMW years ago and there were two fuel filters and the secondary fuel filter, there were three different ones in the same year and we had to figure out based on the VIN number which one the factory felt like putting in that day. Uh, Just nuts, right? Uh, Side note on... LED bulbs. People say, well, my new car has LED headlights and LED tail lights. All right, fine. The LED headlights are probably okay, but the LED tail lights are an issue. Okay. So here's the deal. If your tail lights go out, right? Okay. Normally on a normal traditional car, you go to your auto parts store and for six bucks, they give you a standard. There's one of maybe two or three standard light bulb sizes and you pop it in, and you're good, okay? Now you got these LED tail lights, all right? And they look pretty, you know, with the little, you know, 10, 20, 30 little bulbs in there. And they claim they last a long time. But in reality, LEDs are actually garbage. And sure, they might save you money on energy, but what are they going to save you in a tail light? A fraction of a penny for every thousand years? Um, so they look pretty, but inevitably LEDs are garbage and they flicker, okay? So you're going to hit your brakes and your LED lights are going to flicker or they just won't work at all. How many cars have y'all seen lately that are two, three years old and the LED taillights are already fried, huh? So you can't go to your auto parts store anymore and buy a $6 light bulb to put in that taillight. No, you have to go to the manufacturer Okay, and they're all too ready and willing to sell you a new tail light for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 300 bucks. Uh, I know a client who said, and, and, and folks, remember, we just had COVID where there were parts shortages. So why are they making more ultra specific parts like this instead of generic parts that can be found anywhere, right? So I had a client during COVID couldn't drive his car because the headlight went out. And it was one of these fancier headlights. It wasn't your usual $10 auto store special, okay? Had to wait for a headlight, and it was six months and a thousand bucks, okay? So don't put yourself in that awkward situation. Tell your car dealer you refuse these LED garbage taillights. It's yet another scam in this industry. Okay, let's get back to the article. <sighs> Cadillac commissioned a Harris Poll survey about manual transmissions and received interesting results. 66% of American adults surveyed know how to drive a manual, and 55% said they've owned one. Of those who don't, 40% are interested in learning. Interest is highest among two key demographics, those earning seventy-five grand or more and those ages 18 to 34. But wait a minute, what are we hearing from the dealers? What are we hearing from the industry? Oh, no one wants a stick anymore. No one wants a stick anymore. Hey, hey, 
okay? 66% of Americans adults survey know how to drive a stick, and 55% have owned one, and 40% are interested in learning, okay? And your, your higher income brackets are interested in buying one. And your young people, oh, young people don't want to do that. Young people don't want to learn how to shift. Young people don't want to drive at all. Your young people are interested. So where are the sticks, right? There's a little campaign called Save the Manuals, right? Because a lot of cars are dropping the offering of manual transmission. Something's a little fishy here. In reality, it's my theory that they don't want to sell manuals anymore because those aren't controlled by computers. Those aren't easily hijacked. Your freedoms aren't easily hijacked, are they? Right? It's great to drive a stick because the, the whole joke is, you know, you can leave it anywhere and no one will steal it because no one knows how to drive it. I don't know. Well, it sounds like a lot of people do know how to drive it. But point is, when you have a stick, that's freedom. You control your car physically, and you have control over your future here. So, and you'll see those videos online where bad guys have hijacked Jeeps and Hondas and controlled them completely with a laptop, moved them around parking lots and driven them. Can't do that with a stick, huh? So it's in your best interest to own a stick, all right? And the computer industry can't control you. So it's in your best interest to own a stick, okay? The findings seem to contradict what many automakers have said about lack of interest in manuals, with some declaring a sub-1% take rate when manuals are offered, right? Well, less than 1% of people actually go ahead and buy them. Interesting, huh? Right? With some declaring a sub-1% a take rate. Perhaps with a performance-oriented car, such as this Cadillac V-Series, especially the Blackwing, buyers' preferences might change, right? It's, again, it's, it's, I think they're using it as an excuse to deprecate manual transmissions, right? What do I say in the show all the time? The, the bad guys in the industry love deprecating. You don't need that anymore. We've got something better for you. You don't need that anymore. The mix of old skier, old school gearboxes, old school gearboxes, and new school manufacturing techniques will result in what looks like to be a very potent car. Okay, well, I mean, the engine tells you the potency, right? But um, that's interesting. And look, 3D printing is new, but I actually like 3D printing, right? Because I don't hate everything that's new. I just hate most things that are new. Um, look. I said this in my book, just because something new is new doesn't mean it's good or it's bad, right? Unfortunately, most things that are new right now are pushed on you by an industry that's out to control you. But in this case, 3D printing is something that's freedom-oriented, okay? You can print out any part you want or anything you want in your own house at any point in time, and people share the designs. They're like CAD files, right? They share the designs. They're little files, right? If you own a newer Windows machine, you open up your home folder, and there's a folder called 3D uh, Objects. And those are little files, right, that you can share with each other. Um, and you plug that file into your 3D printer machine in your house, and it'll print out whatever object it is, right? So if I'm a designer and I design a door handle for a 1930s car or a toy or whatever, right, I save that as a CAD file on my computer, 
called the 3D object, and I can email that to someone on the other side of the world. And they can press print, and their 3D printer will produce the object that I've I've designed, right, with the specifications, you know, three inches wide by two inches tall by one inch thick, whatever it may be, the shape of it, rounded shape, right? You design that on your computer, you email that design to someone on the other side of the world, and they can print out that object too. It's incredible. It's very freedom-oriented. <sighs> okay. Side note, I want to shout out here to my brother's girlfriend. Um, she has a newer Jeep, and it is far superior than the Chevy she used to have. Um, but this is more commentary on the way the industry is going in general. The industry is falling off a cliff. Um, they are absorbing the arrogance and extreme incompetence of my computer industry, right? So the auto industry is now offering these keyless entry keys where it's just a fob right and they figure well you already have an evil computer in the key fob that's required to start the car anyway so let's deprecate keys you don't need a metal key anymore because whatever you need the key fob to start the car for security anyways all right here's the deal anything wireless and computerized is a extremely difficult to repair Okay, you get an old car, and for six bucks, you go to the hardware store and they make you a copy of your key. That's beautiful, right? Newer cars, 300 bucks easily, because there's an evil computer that only the dealer knows how to duplicate. Okay, this does not protect you against theft. This only protects you against yourself, and it protects you from keeping your own money in your wallet. That's what it protects against. And by the way, all right, so here's what happened with my brother's girlfriend's car. Um, a lot of times, right, all this stuff can backfire on you and blow false alarms on you. The technology can turn on you, just like Hal from the 2001 Space Odyssey movie, right? It can backfire on you and turn against you and accuse you of being a thief or just fail to operate zillions of cases where people just press the little start button on their car, that little disconcerting start button, and the car doesn't start. Okay, here's what happened in her case. She couldn't turn her car off. She started the car, drove it home like normal, then she pressed the little start button, start stop button, and it didn't feel like turning off. And it just kept running until it ran out of gas. What was she going to do, right? Lift the lid? There's no... There's no uh, manual override, right? I always say the mind of man is holy. This product belongs to her and it was out of control. Uh, maybe if I were her, I would have lifted the hood and maybe disconnected the battery, but that's a little dangerous, right, for a consumer to do. I wouldn't even attempt it, really. Uh, Sergeant Tim had to replace my battery for me a couple years ago. Um, but what do you do? She actually had to have some firemen come over and they didn't know what to do. And they just said, let it run until it runs out of gas. We don't know what to tell you. And she had to, um, luckily there was some dealer open, some faraway dealer that was still open that night. And she was able to bring it there. And what were they going to do? These mechanics don't know what to do. These are all evil computers, right? There's nothing you can do to repair an evil circuit board. You just put it in the garbage and hope the next one is less garbage, Okay? Taking the control out of your hands. So the car just wouldn't turn off. And unfortunately, so I went online, 
right? So the point is you have no recourse, right? With a real metal key, even if it has a computerized key fob for validation when you start the car, at least with a real metal key, you could twist it and you can pull it out. And in most cases, the car will turn off. It'll obey you. All right. But in this case, there was just no recourse. Um, unfortunately, I looked it up and everyone with this particular Jeep Renegade had that particular issue. Okay, so that's that's the case for better or worse in, in cars and computers is, look, if you got an issue, this is uh, mass-produced stuff, like we were saying earlier, mass market, mass production. Um, so for better or for worse, everyone else with your model car or computer is going to have a similar problem. Okay. Last article here, TheVerge.com, March of 2021. Um... Oh, hey, another shout-out here to Steve the Spoonman from New Hampshire. He's a friend of mine who listens to the show, and we always help each other promote our shows. Uh, Steve the Spoonman is on TikTok, and he just plays the spoons, and he plays the greatest, latest hits on the spoons. Um, so TheVerge.com, March of 2021, move over solar winds. Uh, that was a huge disaster a couple years ago. So move over that disaster. 30,000 organizations' emails are hacked via a Microsoft Exchange server flaw. Okay? A lot of you, oh, yeah, we have Microsoft uh, for business. Microsoft 365 online for business. Yeah, we, we just switched to that because we were told the cloud equals good. All right? Here's the deal with the cloud. Some stuff uses post-Microsoft technology, so it's relatively safe. It's just run by arrogant companies, but... The Microsoft Cloud stuff uses a 1991 product called Microsoft Exchange to manage your email. This is a 1991 product called Microsoft Exchange. It's no safer or no better than it was back when you had it in your office in 91. But now instead of your local computer guy banging his head against the wall, and instead of you... Uh, worrying about it. Now, some guy in Microsoft's office in India has to deal with it, and they bang their heads against the wall, okay? It's no safer. Microsoft cloud services are regurgitated 1991 products that they now rent to you instead of sell to you, okay? And every day, they're still finding flaws with this rotten product, so wherever possible, switch to post-Microsoft IMAP-style email. Post-Microsoft email, okay? Whoever you have. I recommend Starnova and Bluetie and Web.com and anyone that offers non-Microsoft, post-Microsoft, as it were, email. So here goes. Four exploits found in Microsoft's Exchange Server software has reportedly led to over 30,000... U.S. government and commercial organizations having their emails hacked, okay? No email can be hacked anymore unless it uses this. What is it? 1991! Um, email thing, okay? This abomination known as exchange. Tens of thousands of email servers hacked. Security experts say that the detection and cleanup process will be a massive effort for the thousands of state and city governments, fire, police departments, school district, financial institutions, and other organizations. Shame on any computer guy who recommended that they use Microsoft Exchange. It's not trustworthy. It's not acceptable in my professional opinion. Angry Mark hasn't been here in a while, has he? Here he is. It's not acceptable. 
get your small businesses, get your large businesses, get your firemen and your hospitals away from this stuff if you care about security. According to Microsoft, the vulnerabilities allowed hackers to gain access to email accounts and also the ability to install malware that might let them back in at a later time. The attack was carried out by Hafnium, a Chinese hacking group. The attack uh, in January ramped up in February. Microsoft released its patches on March 2nd. The attackers had almost two months to carry out their operations. There's plenty of situations I've seen in this industry where you read a tech article about a flaw and Microsoft instead of actually reacting they deny the problem's existence for a while then eventually they'll acknowledge it and then they'll bumble along trying to find a solution then they'll slap a patch on there and you know from listening to this show that a patch or an update will usually break 10 other things Uh, the attackers had almost two months to carry out their operations the cybersecurity firm Volexity said if you're running Exchange and you haven't patched this yet, there's a very high chance your organization is already compromised. Or look, if you're running Exchange at all, you're a walking target and you're living on borrowed time and you're totally naked, in my opinion. The White House National Security Advisor tweeted about the severity of the incident, right? Well, that's all they can do is, well, we can react to it and we can tweet about it, but that's about it. If you care about security, all you need to do is stop using Microsoft technology and you'll be fine. Microsoft is clear that the attacks are in no way connected to the SolarWinds attacks. That's actually kind of worse. <laughs> that means they're admitting it was totally their fault and it had nothing to do with SolarWinds. Um, there hasn't been an official list of organizations, just a vague picture of the large-scale severity of the attack. Well, again, if you have Exchange email, if you have anything Microsoft anything, then you were part of this most likely. Microsoft spokesperson said they're working closely with Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, other government agencies, I didn't even know that agency existed, and security companies to ensure we are providing the best possible guidance and mitigation for our customers. So that's it for me, Mark Anthony Arena, your computer exorcist, thecomputerexorcist.com. Hope you love the show. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends. Friends don't let friends use Microsoft services if they care about security. Hope you have a great night, and remember, buy your hoodies and your coffee mugs and your everything else, thecomputerexorcist.com. It's newly remodeled. Check out the site, and if you want to buy the hoodies and stuff, check out the page on there that says The Computer Exorcist Podcast. Talk to you soon.